finished my plate, which was like that, I got a Pepsid complete. You know, the Pepsid and this Pepsid complete, that peak one. And uh, I got a Pepsid complete and I ate it because I knew what was coming. And when I got home, about, I guess, 7 o'clock or so, I got my little bottle full of formantidine. You take that stuff? That's good stuff. You know, they, they outlawed the, uh, what was it? Rantidine. They outlawed that stuff. That was good stuff, too. Then they came out with the formantidine, and I think that's better. So I took one of those as soon as I got home. Pepsi and that did it for me. I was able to sleep all night. Good thing uh, concerning that. I'm going to give you an English lesson this morning. I know we got some English majors here. What's a, what is a, give me the definition of a synonym. Like or added, a word that has another word, and I use a thesaurus all the time because my computer has one on it, and I'm looking for a different word if I'm right. What is an antonym? It's the what? It's the opposite of what the word that you are looking for. You're looking for an opposite. Well, what is a homonym? No takers on that one? I had to look it up this morning myself, so don't feel bad. A homonym is a word that sounds alike and can have more than one meaning. Two, T-O. T-O-O. T-W-O. So that would be a homonym. Now, I picked these out of the paper not too long ago, and this is some that I want you to, uh, homonyms. This is from a uh, comedian, the word arbitrator. And here is the uh, homonym for that. A cook that leaves Arby's to work at McDonald's. <laughs> All right. Here's another, Bernadette. Bernadette is the act of torching a mortgage. Uh, burglarize. What a crook bur burglarize. What a crook sees through. Avoidable. That's what a bullfighter tries to do. Eyedropper is a clumsy ophthalmologist. Uh, control is a short, ugly inmate. All right? <laughs> Counterfeiter. Uh, workers who put together kitchen cabinets. These things go on, so I'm going to quit right there, all right? But uh, I found them to be pretty good when I, I saw that, so I had to cut it out of the paper. If I could get started up here behind me, sir, I would appreciate that. And this machine that I've got, I'm not quite sure about it. So I'm going to... Got an on-off on it, does it, guys? Left button. Should be on... And advance on the right-hand side. Red tape? Don't worry about red tape. All right. I'll tell you what. I'm turning it over to you. You got it from back there. Well, I want to speak today. I'm going to get rid of this. Uh, I want to speak to you today. Uh, sermon title, There Was Slash... Is, is a man. There, there, was, there was a man. And you'll pick this up directly from my text. And I think we have it up there behind us. The text is, I'm going to begin with, and we're going to move around some. 
But here's where I get this from. John 1, chapter 1, verse 6, where the Bible says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. So what's in a name? I all but put that for my sermon title. What's in a name? There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light. Now catch this as a fact. This is John the Baptist that we're talking about in John chapter 1. He was not that light. He was sent for what purpose? To bear witness of the light. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light. That true light there is the person of Christ. So John's ministry and his calling, he was sent to bear witness of the one whom he is going to baptize. Jesus comes upon the scene, beginning his public ministry, and John looks up and he says, Behold! the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when he baptized Jesus, Jesus said, uh, he looked at at Jesus and said, you ought to be baptizing me. So this man that we're talking about, John the Baptist, was quite a man. Uh, He testified of the true light which gives light to every man coming in the world. Let's pray. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for Jesus who is the light of the world. As John testified, he lights everyone coming into the world. He is the light that's still shining. The darkness cannot overcome him. He's powerful. He is the true Son of God. And all who receive him, you give the authority, the power to become children of God. And I'm grateful today that we have the scriptures that teach us of Him, of the light, and we have scriptures that teach us of those who were faithful men of God, as was John the Baptist, who shined a light. So we pray this morning that uh, the Spirit of God will visit with us, that we would have the Spirit of God to teach us, to lead us into what we're going to say even this morning. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So I want to I do some play on words today. So, so understand this. Names in the Old Testament were not just mere names. They meant something. Uh, for instance, here in Genesis chapter 35 and verse 10, we see that God changes the name of Jacob to what? Israel. Jacob, before God changed his name, the name Jacob meant supplanter or trickster. Remember the situation with Jacob and Esau? He supplanted, he tricked Esau, stole the birthright. Now, God changed his name, though, from uh, Jacob to Israel. And Israel means God provides our our prince with God. So as far as God was concerned, he was introducing to us a man who was changed from a supplanter to one who would be a prince with God. And you know, I could stop here and make application to that. You know, before salvation... We were Jacobs, were we not? But after salvation, we didn't become a prince of, with God, but our whole life changed. And so we, we, we want to play with some names here this morning. Uh, the name Abraham. Well, he was before he was Abraham, who was he? Abram. Abram means exalted father. Well, he didn't have any children. 
at that time. But God, knowing that he was going to have children, no longer called him exalted father, or Abram changed his name to Abraham, which means father of multitudes. Wow, who's the progenitor of the Jewish race? Abraham. And God said, your descendants would be as the stars of the heaven for number. They'll be like the grains of sand on the seashore. So from, from a man who had no children to a man who the whole Jewish race comes from his loins, he and Sarah. By the way, how old was Abraham when his first son was born, Isaac? 100 years old. I don't want no more children. And I'm only 81, all right? We're done. Can you imagine that? But I think Abraham lived, uh, I'm not sure of the age. Help me with that. Anybody? After Sarah died, Abraham had more children. So he went on to have others. So, I want us to, to look at this text that I have behind me. It says, there was a man. And I want to leave out, for now, the next three words. Sent from God. So, let's pick up on this. There was a man whose name was John. Your outline, you have that before you. There was a man whose name was John. Let me go back all the way to the book of Genesis, and I might use this sort of as an introduction, beginning, let's see, December, January, beginning in April. You're going to have some of this background that Dr. Carver is going to be teaching, beginning uh, his series for the Sunday School lessons in April. But let's go back and let's think about the first man and woman. God's classification of these two, God said in verse 26, Genesis 1, 26, I got some people working for me. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Then in chapter 2 and verse 7, Scripture reads, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Woman. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18. Scripture says, And the Lord God said, It's not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And then Genesis chapter 3 and verse 20, the scripture says, And Adam called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all living. Now, let's play with words. God's arrangement when he created Adam. You know what Adam means? Man. Mankind. First, and then Eve comes on the scene. And what Eve means is life giver. Now put the two together. Man by himself doesn't do a thing to produce a life. But when God puts the picture together in creation of man, woman, we have man, mankind, connected with Eve, who is a life giver. No man has ever yet born a child. And I've always heard that if he did, that would be the last one in the family. Now, whether that's true or not, we can't prove it, can we? No way to prove that. So, this is God's designation, and... and just catch this note. I, could, I don't want to ride a hobby horse, but uh, God made them male 
and female. Okay? Enough said on that subject. God made them male and female. And of course, he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Someone has said that uh, that is the only command that mankind has kept. We do a good job of filling the earth. The other ten and all the other laws, we don't do too well with those. So the name, the name Jacob to Israel, uh, Abram to Abraham, two names, Adam, mankind, Eve, life giver. Now what about this man that we have here in our text? The name. We, there was a man whose name was John. Leaving out those three words. Because those words are most important for us to understand this morning. Whose name was John. The name John means grace. I like that. The pastor who, first pastor of this church, actually Fred Clifford, his wife's name was Irene. Anybody know what the name Irene means? Some of you older people, I'm sure he told you many times. Her name means peace. I often wonder how much peace was in that house. No, and still knowing Irene, there was a lot of peace in that house. She's still living. Fred is with the Lord. But uh, how many times have I heard Fred say he's married to peace? So names, names. There was a man whose name was John. Grace. Now who is, who is John? John, we call him the forerunner of Jesus Christ. We'll look at that a little more in just a moment. John had a special purpose. And the text that we read in our beginning, that he was not that light, but he was sent to introduce that light into the world. Jesus Christ came uh, virgin born, 30 years in uh, solitudes, we could say, alone, not totally alone, but which it's just as a, a boy growing up in a home. And then he comes on the scene at the age of 30 as a public person who's going to change the world. He's going to shine his light. And this begins with John the Baptist there on the Shores of the Jordan River. So according to, to the Hebrew, uh, to Hebrew notions, people studying Hebrew, a name is inseparable from the person to whom it belongs. So back in the Old Testament, for the most part, not, we, can't, we can make too much of this, and I don't purpose to do that this morning, but when a person's name, you read it in the Old Testament, it wasn't just a name. It had something it was connected to with that individual. It, it had to do with his essence, who he was. Everybody knew Jacob. Nobody wanted to do business with Jacob. You do business with Jacob, and you'd come out on the short end until he became Israel. And he had 12 sons. Quite an interesting balance between that. Therefore, in the case of God, that's a special name. God. Theos. Uh, Yahweh. You know, you heard me say this, you've heard it many times. The, the attitude of the scribes in the Old Testament. That's how our Bible was passed down. The manuscripts, just like all manuscripts, they go into obscurity, they're lost. But the scribes, 
Their job was to write, copy the originals. And the Old Testament scribes, they would be the Essenes. Testimony for those folk would be that uh, he would be copying, say, Genesis 35, verse 10. And he would come to the name Yahweh, which has been transliterated to Jehovah. How do you spell Yahweh? Y-H-W-H. How do you pronounce it? Well, the, the Old Testament scribes added some, con- some consonants or vowels to it. And from Y-H-W-H, it became Y-A-W-E-H, Yahweh. And so, back to what I was saying. When these Old Testament scribes, they honored the name of God to such a degree that he would be writing words in the sentence, come to the word Yahweh. He would lay his writing instrument down, go, leave, and take a bath. Come back. Some say he would write one letter at a time. Others say that he would write the words, Y-H-W-H, lay his writing instrument down, take another bath. And come back, and others say, throw the pen away. Can you imagine how meticulous that is and how long it must have taken? These Old Testament scribes, listen, you have a book that mankind didn't play around with. That was the attitude. That was the spirit. That was the honor that these Old Testament people gave to God. We cannot take for granted what has been handed down to you and I. John, grace, a name that uh, fitly given to the Messiah's forerunner. He was sent to proclaim immediate accomplishments of God's gracious intentions toward men. This is a quote from Benson. So what is in a name? What's in your name? You know, I think of my name, Dean. I'm sure that when my mom and dad named me, Dean means church man. They had no idea that this brat who did everything he could possibly do would one day be a church man, pastor, for some 40 years. They weren't thinking in those terms. But now I wonder maybe if, if God was thinking in those terms. Uh, no, nothing significant when they labeled me that. My, my dad's name is Hardy Elijah. We have one. Uh, you know what your name means? My God is Jehovah. That's what Elijah means. Now, my mom said, you're not going to put Elijah on that baby. So she settled for the hardy and added Dean to my name. And thus, I became Hardy Dean Hightower. So what does your name mean? And I'm not necessarily talking about in the terms of the literal meaning of your name because your name means something to people every day. Every day. You have a testimony. And what people know of you, about you, your name is connected to it. If I name, if, if I say 
uh, Tommy Norman. Immediately, people who know Tommy, there's a picture in their mind. If I say Ivy Beasley, immediately, someone has a connotation of who, what type of a person that these, and every one of us, I could name the whole congregation, I'm not picking on you too, all right? Holton Harrison died and I can't pick on him any longer. But you know, when I say Holton, I have a picture in my mind. Do you? Who knew him for all of those years, you who met him and came to love him, your name, maybe not necessarily the nomenclature of that name, but your name means something. So the man, there was a man whose name, whose name was John. I want you to notice with me his mission. The man was John. His mission the mission of this man sent. Now I'm going to I'm going to go back and I'm going to insert three words into John 1:6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. We're talking now a different concept of this man. Let's go back to Adam and Eve broadly. We see that uh, God had a plan for Adam. God had a plan for Eve. Uh, God's plan for Adam was to be uh, a living being. God created Adam in his own image and he was created for fellowship. That was one of the primary purposes for God. Where do we see that fellowship with Adam? Man, and that's his name. Man. God wanted to come down, and He did come down every day, and He walked with man. Think about that. Now, you and I can't do what Adam did, but the same is true of us. God wants to walk with us. He wants that identity between who He is, His being, and us as created for fellowship. Scripture says in uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. God could fellowship with a living soul. Verse 8, And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So the plan was fellowship in Adam's name. What was God's purpose? God's purpose was for a witness that God would uh, purpose for this man. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. Scripture says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to keep it. His responsibility was to keep it neat, to keep it clean. And we find here uh, a note from Cambridge. It says, The Lord God puts man in the garden for a life, not of indolence, but of labor, to dress it. That is, to cultivate the soil, to tend, to prune the trees, to keep it, and to defend it from uh, depreciation by animals, depredation, excuse me, by animals, or from the evils arising from unchecked uh, luxuriance. In other words, he's given the first his work to do by which he... Number one, he was to improve what God had created. Number two, he was to provide for the necessities of life from that environment. And number three, 
He was to protect from waste or loss that which is committed to his case. You know, these three things are still true today. You're responsible for the environment. Now, I'm not going to go off and become a tree hugger or anything of that nature, but you and I have a responsibility to creation. Not to purposefully or not to do things that damage it, but yet to use common sense that God has given us. I like what I heard the other day. One gentleman was talking about the... uh, Gatherings in Washington, D.C., and how orderly. A million people coming, converging on the city as far as honoring God and our government. And when things are complete, you can't find as much as a little scrap of paper there. And he said, if it was found, I'd pick it up. Now, what do we find when the... uh, environmentalists are there. They who say they are, are not. We who just quietly go about our business, we are. How many of you walking into Food Lion will take a push uh, a, a shopping cart that some left there And bring it and push it in where it should be. I tell my wife every time I see one, if I was was manager of this store, I'd put a sign in the window. If you can't put your shopping cart up, don't come back. I wouldn't do that. But I'd be tempted to do that. We came out the other day, Bobby and I did, and lo and behold, there was a penny on the ground. I stopped. I said... Should I pick it up? She said, yes. And I said, a penny saved. A penny earned is a penny saved. Picked it up and put it in my pocket. Found a dime the other day. I was really in clover. (laughs) But think about that. God's plan. You know, a lot has happened since Genesis chapter 2. And most of it's not good. Chapter 3 of Genesis turns the Bible completely upside down. Sin entered the world that God had created. He had made something that was glorious. Adam... You're my farmer. Go and and tend my trees. Eat of every one of them, the fruit trees. My, what what a paradise that Adam had. It required man obedient to God. And you know, I look forward to the day when this new heaven and this new earth, it's going to be revamped, made like a paradise. For 1,000 years, the Lord Jesus is going to be king, ruling. And yet we will find that man still. But for this man, John, John's primary purpose in his life, for which he was sent, he was to witness, bear witness of Jesus Christ. He said in John chapter 12, Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 46, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. John the Apostle, writing the Gospel of John, said of John the Baptist, he came to witness the light 
whom Jesus said, I am the light. Put that together. So what was John's commission according to God's plan? John said this, chapter 1, verse 23, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. That's who I am. I'm just one person. And my purpose is a message to his own people, the Jewish nation, and that message is this, make straight the way of the Lord. Now, it's no accident that John the Baptist comes on the scene as he does, for he was prophesied. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 35, speaks of John coming into the world for that very purpose. A voice in the wilderness. Let me just stop here a moment. You know, we still live in a wilderness. You agree with that? Tomorrow, are you going out, you who go back to work tomorrow, are you going to the wilderness? Absolutely you are. So are you going to be a voice telling people, wilderness dwellers, citizens of the wilderness, there's a light. I found the light. I'm not the light, but I can... Point you to the light. The light of the world. Come as a light, Jesus said. So God's plan for John, let's just sum it up. His commission, there was a man. Catch this. Sent from God. God commissioned him. And God's purpose for him to bear witness, we said he was the forerunner of Christ, Old Testament, prophesying his coming. And yet, he came. By the way, how much older was John the Baptist than Jesus? Check you. How much? Basically. Six months. You know, you're going to hear the Christmas story, aren't you? Mary, the announcement. Gabriel, blessed are you among women. She says, he says, you're going to have a child. She says, how? I'm a virgin. But she goes where? She goes to the house of Elizabeth who is with child. Who's that child? John the Baptist. Isn't it a beautiful thing that when Mary walks into the presence, Mary, pregnant with Christ, walks into the presence, six months pregnant with Elizabeth, what happens? John the Baptist turned to flip. Now, he didn't speak then. If he did, Wow. That would have been something. Elizabeth said, the baby leaped within me in the very presence. Can you see the connection of these two? Growing up, John the Baptist knew Jesus. He was his cousin. And the, the very fact that Somewhere in John the Baptist's life and understanding being basically the same age as Jesus was. God said to him, the one coming to be baptized by you, John the baptizer, that's literally what he means. The one coming is the light of the world. Your cousin is the light of the world. You've been sent by God. Wow. What a commission. Now, let's talk about you and me. God's plan. He has a plan and a purpose for you and for me. 
you and I are sent as I term us, John the forerunner, we are the afterrunners. When you go to your job tomorrow, whatever you do, you're an afterrunner of Christ. You are sent, just as was John the Baptist. You were sent to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. So you note here that, that John was sent as a witness to Jesus Christ to tell people that the light of the world has come. His nation, his people, in spite of all of its spiritual advantages that Israel had at that day, he was saying, this is your Messiah. Receive him. Now the word witness is an interesting word here. Sent to bear witness of. John uses this word in his uh, gospel. He uses it as a noun 14 times. And as a verb he uses it 33 times. John's, John the Baptist, John the Apostle, you and I... We are witnesses of the light. We are sent for that purpose to point people to Christ. So, we have a man that was a man whose name was John. His mission, there was a man sent from God whose name was Grace. Now, let's see the testimony of the sent one. What was John's testimony? And uh, John chapter 3, we would go from chapter 1, skip over to chapter 3, verse 27. We would see that John the Baptist, his possession. A man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. Quote from Benson, Benson says, we have, as, we have as necessary and contrast a dependence upon the grace of God in all the actions of the spiritual life, as we have upon the providence of God in all those of the natural life. And so Dr. McKnight paraphrases this, and he says the passage thus, a man of God or prophet can assume no greater dignity and authority than God has thought to fit, that God has thought fit to confer upon him. You and I have had conferred upon us the privilege of after runner before God. So what do you what do you have that you have not received? John received this commission, this appointment. What about John's purpose? John 3, 28. John is writing. John not writing. John the Apostle writing. But this is concerning John the Baptist. What was his purpose? You yourselves bear me witness. John the Baptist saying, I'm not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. Upon whom does your light shine? You're not the Christ. I'm not the Christ. John the Baptist was not the Christ. He was sent before him. Every day. When you go out. You're going out before Christ. John spoke of his peace. John chapter 3 and verse 29. John said this, He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. John said, John the Baptist said just to hear his voice. And I complete the quote, Therefore, this the joy of mine is fulfilled. 
That's a peace that passes all understanding just to hear the word, just to hear the voice of Christ. When you get into the word of God, you're hearing him. JFB commentary, we have as necessary in contrast a dependence upon the grace of God in all the actions of the spiritual life as we have upon the providence of God in all those of the natural life. Everything that God has, He's given to us. And John says, I have peace. You know, there's something about being in Christ that we can pillow our heads at night even though everything has gone wrong during the day. And we can say, good night, Father. Thank you. Been a hard day, Father. But every step and every event that I have faced today, you've walked with me through it all. Through it all. Peace. What did Jesus say? John chapter 14, 27. My peace I give you, not as the world. My peace I give unto you. Do you have that peace? It's a peace that passes, I've said, all understanding. In the middle of turmoil. My peace, Jesus says. John the Baptist said, I have his peace. And by the way, what happened to John the Baptist? You know the Bible story. You heard it in Sunday school. They chopped his head off. Simply because. He was a voice of one crying in the wilderness. The Messiah is here. Make straight his path. And his head was chopped off. So you hear pastors say often, this Christian life, this Christian walk that you and I are walking, it's not a bed of roses. And I don't want to get political. But it ain't going to get no better. For the years we're moving into. But that should never bother you nor take from you your peace. You got the peace that Jesus gave. His peace I give you. Now his place in life, John said this in John chapter 3 and verse 30. And this passage is often on my mind. John said he must increase, but I must decrease. Here a note from Benson, common commentary. He must increase and appear continually more and more glorious like the growing moon. Full moon. One night this week. Full moon. Oh, you, you like a full moon? You just look up in the sky just so bright around you. This is what Benson is saying. He must increase. Jesus appear continually more and more glorious like a growing moon. And then he continues. But I must decrease. And Benson continues. <clears throat> must gradually wane and decline till I disappear for the end of my ministry is now. 
in a great measure answered and therefore I quickly expect to be dismissed from it. But what is John the Baptist telling us? Like the brightness of a full moon. On a dark night, the glory of Christ, your life is to be. And with age comes what? Ultimately, death. And your light is extinguished as far as this world is concerned. But remember, absent from the body is present with the Lord. So you go to the place where there is light forever. You know, how many, how many men have I known, my peers, my age? Many of them are not around any longer. But I've heard them say, if I have one, one desire in life, it's this, to finish well. Finish well. That's what John is saying here. To finish well means that I have all of my ministry shined upon Christ and I am nothing, nobody. Not the important one. Matthew chapter 11, verses 7 through 11. I'll read those. As they departed, Jesus now talking to the Pharisees in this chapter. As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John. Watch these questions. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? He's talking about John the Baptist. What did you go out to see? Did you expect to see in the marsh a reed that the wind blows back and forth? Question. What did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? <laughs> Jesus says, indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. Verse 9. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Watch this next word. Yes! Jesus says. Yes, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, forerunner, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, Jesus says, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist. And watch this next phrase. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. Now scratch your head on that one. You want my opinion of what that phrase means? John is an Old Testament character. He's the last prophet of the Old Testament. You and I are the children of the age of grace. John was under law. We we're under grace. And that's why John would say, if I can just be his friend, just be his friend. You and I are brothers and sisters in Christ, with Christ. Now, if Jesus could say with such accolades as he did here in Matthew what he said about John, my thought is, what can he say about us who are diligently, daily doing what we are 
sent to do. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Who is your creator? Who is your savior? Jesus Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. What is his plan and his purpose for you, for me? To bear witness of Christ. Where do you stand in comparison to Jesus? He must increase and I decrease. Why do you even exist? To bring honor and glory to Him. What will you say? What will Jesus say about you when you stand before Him? What can He say? Fill in the blanks. And I want us to be serious as we begin to make application of this text. John 1. There was, a, there was, is, a man sent from God whose name is. Mm. Dean. Thank you. Amen. Dean. My wife's back there, Bobby. And all around this room, we can put our names in there. Man, there is a man sent from God whose name is Dean. This man, woman, came, comes even today for a witness, to bear witness of the light. Jesus is the light that all through him might believe. Dean was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Dean must, Jesus must increase, Dean must decrease. Wow. That's a little different light on that, isn't it, when we look at it that way. That's what John said about himself. What God says about John. When we go out tomorrow, and we go to our places of work or wherever they might be, who will be the brightest star? Jesus? Or you? I'm going to finish, complete today with uh, just the words of a song. If you want to look at them with me, turn to page 310. The whole time I was thinking on this message, preparing it, there was a man sent from God. His name was Dean. The text says this, So send I you to labor unrewarded, to serve unpaid, unloved, unsought, unknown, to bear rebuke, to suffer scorn and scoffing, so send I you to toil for me alone. Stanza two, so send I you to bind the bruised and broken or wandering souls 
to work, to weep, to wake, to bear the burdens of a world aweary, so send I you to suffer for my sake. Three, so send I you to loneliness and longing with heart a hungering for the loved and known, forsaking home and kindred, friend and dear one, so send I you to know my love alone. So send I you to leave your life's ambition. Boy, when did you pick up the pieces? Turn in a resignation and say, I'm going. I could stop right here and just think of the joys. The age of 24. Giving a resignation from a good job. I can think of a resignation of a pastor, of pastoring in 2007 when I sat right back there with the deacons and said, I'm resigning. God's sending me to where I always wanted to go, to the mission field for the next two years. Wow. My wife and I, listen, I hold back from telling you what happened in the Philippines, lest you think I'm boasting. I hold back so I won't be the light, the light that shines there. Those men who preached yesterday, 24, uh, 12 hours before we did, coming to church. Those men, those Bible women, I hold back because the light is not mine. So send I you to leave your life's ambition to die to dear desire self, that desire self will resign. To labor long and love where men revile you, so send I you to lose your life in mine. That's nothing that we have that we, when we think we've lost it, it's in Him. And that's when the joy floods the soul. And finally, number five, so send I you to hearts made hard by hatred. Think about that. So send I you to eyes made blind because they will not see. When you turn on the news tonight, tomorrow, pity them. Pray for them. Sometimes I'm mixed in my prayer life. God, do I say to kill them all? And then that little stab of the heart comes. And God says they are without Christ. Pray for their salvation. To spend, though it be blood, to spend and spare not. So send I you to taste of Calvary the taste of Calvary think with me and I'm not going to go back into the message a message seven sayings on the cross of Christ impaled there I did a series of sermons many years ago taking one each Sunday those seven sayings 
to finish it at Easter. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I can say concerning government. Father, forgive them. And if you let me put my words in, they're stupid. They don't know what they're doing. You see the balance we have to maintain there? Whose names? Did we keep John's name in there or did we substitute a name? Stand with me as we pray. Father, we read in Scripture, there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You have given Jesus a name that is above all names, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Thank you that we can lift His name high. And at the same time, we know when His name is high, our name is low. Let Him, in, let him be the one who increases in the sight when people see us. Father, that reminds me to pray. Blind their eyes of my shortcomings, for they are many. Forgive me of those. But let them see Jesus living in me. God, help us to leave this place this morning with a spirit of humility, knowing Knowing full well the name of Jesus is the only name that matters. Let us leave this place today to put our names in the blank as sent ones after the death and the life of Christ, knowing His resurrection. Let us put our names. There was a man sent from God whose name was Dean. And let it be real. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being in the Lord's house today. Trust that maybe something was said that can help you understand your place, who you are.